Dior Talks. The Femme Case uh, for me is about changing the way we present women in fashion. More like a subject, not uh, as an object. The women are represented in many different ways, not only one way. That is very important for me. It's also what I try to make with my work in Dior. There are many elements in the female case. There isn't much Raffaella Perna doesn't know when it comes to photography and feminism. Perna is an art historian, lecturer at the University of Catania, curator and the author of several books. And she's done important work on helping us understand the ways in which photography can promote feminist ideas and change the way we see women. A close collaborator of Maria Grazia Curi, Perna's book, Art, Photography and Feminism in 1970s Italy, was a key inspiration for the Dior Fall 2020 Ready to Wear show. I'm excited to find out what she thinks of the female gaze and what it might look like today in the fashion world. I'm Charlotte Janssen, a journalist and the author of Girl on Girl, a book exploring photography in the age of the female gaze. You're listening to Dior Talks, conversations on the female gaze. This is a bit of a different episode um, in terms of this series of Dior Talks because whereas, you know, apart from Maria Grazia, who we spoke to at the beginning of the series, um, you're the only other guest who is not a photographer themselves, but you've worked very extensively and profoundly with photography for, for a number of years. And I'm obviously on a personal level, I feel very connected with your work. Um, you've also written a book about in a way about the female gaze, but looking at a specific period, very important period of feminism. Um, So we're looking at the 1970s um, in Italy as well. So there's lots I want to ask you about that specific context. So maybe we could start with this wonderful book of yours, which is called, um, the title in English is Art, Photography and Feminism in 1970s Italy. It's been really important, you know, in Italy and understanding what the female gaze might mean and how it's kind of evolved in contemporary art and contemporary photography. And it's also been, of course, a very vital inspiration for Maria Maria Grazia for the 2020 fall ready-to-wear show. In the book, you write that for women who who have historically been the object of the gaze, and I'm translating from, from the Italian... From the artistic tradition to pornography, the self-portrait represents a practice whereby women can reappropriate the power of self-narrative, hence using photography as a tool through which they can experiment with their singularity. Um, I absolutely love this idea, which is really at the core for me of, you know, understanding the female gaze. Can we talk about this a bit more? Why is that so significant that so many women, um, you know, I guess from this period on, began to photograph them? themselves and why do you think that the self-portrait particularly has been a kind of revolutionary tool for women yes yes i think that self-portrait has been and is still a revolutionary tool for women photographers during this decade photographic practice and feminist thought formed a close connection many artists were active in awareness raising groups or embraced feminist theories choose photography as their expressive means both for its ability to grasp issues relating to subjectivity and the body, 
and as a tool to demystify the stereotypes linked to the gender difference widespread in the Western visual culture. For the Italian artists involved in feminist groups, especially the artists and photographers who enacted forms of separatism and uh, experimented uh, with the practice of, of uh, consciousness raising, the choice to continue to operate in a system dominated by male rules was not a peaceful one, and it involved a profound re-examination of their previous activity and their connivance with the rules they intended to challenge. For women who were used to being the object of the gaze and of the representation of another of male gaze, photographic self-portraits constituted a practice for the reappropriation of the power of self-narration, and so it was an instrument of knowledge used to experiment with uh, one's own singularity. In RSA, uh, the translation is uh, Women in the Mirror, Donne allo specchio. Paola Mattioli, for example, explored the theme of reification produced habitually by photography, producing a sort of collective portrait. She photographed the women of the feminist collective she collaborated with while they looked at themselves in the mirror, while, in other words, they were in the process of becoming aware of themselves as being other than themselves. She also appeared in the photos, mm. identifying herself with her female companions. Uh, Mattioli said, in every one of them, I see myself, because in other women, I find different fragments of my own looking at myself. We talked about self-portraits and kind of how they were a really fundamental tool in the women's liberation movement in Italy. And, you know, I, I'm fascinated about this because a lot of these artists have remained like sealed within the Italian context and are not necessarily that well known abroad or even, you know, as far as like the UK or British um, Western Europe art history um but one important self-portrait work that i know you have a particularly special relationship with um is scrittura vivente which is tommaso binger's um self-portrait series where she mimics her naked body with the letters of the alphabet and those works actually decorated the wall of the musee rodin um, which was the venue of the dior fall 2019 show I know you first met Maria Grazia through Tommaso Binger and you've had you've kept in dialogue ever since that first meeting. How does it feel for you to have your work and your book referenced in that context in a, in a fashion show? It was really really inspiring. I had met Maria Grazia uh, I don't remember exactly but maybe 2018. Uh, during a lecture in Rome mm -hmm. on the work of another artist, not uh, not Tommaso Binga, but Catilla uh, Rocca. And um, already on that occasion, I was really very impressed by her profound and authentic interest in Italian artists. And uh, it was a passion we share. Mm. And so immediately after, we established a, a dialogue with uh, Tommaso Binga, yeah on the occasion of her involvement in the Dior Fall 2019 fashion show. My dialogue uh, with uh, the work of Tommaso Binga has been ongoing for about 
10 years. Uh, as well as being an extraordinary artist, she's also a, a woman of great, great generosity. And uh, meeting with Maria Grazia Curie was a unique experience because that allowed me to approach the fashion system really for the first time for me. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to witness her way of looking at Binga's works from another perspective. Before meeting her, um, for example, I had taught in the three-year fashion degree course at La Sapienza University in Rome. But mine was uh, really a traditional course in the history of art, contemporary art. This year, instead, I held a course right. for the Master in Fashion Studies again at Sapienza, and my perspective changed. Not only did I concentrate on the art of women in the 19th and 20th century, but I try to make students understand that the exchange between art and fashion is really fundamental. Last year, uh, Maria Grazia Curie held a lecture for the students of the Master in Sapienza. Oh, wow. Yes, really an extraordinary opportunity. You've done a lot of work on that yourself as well. Um, and as you say, you've been equally inspired by this approach um, and, and thinking you know, about how to sort of broaden the vision of, of artists and art, um, particularly women artists. You curated an exhibition um, that Dior supported in 2019 that happened in Milan. And that focused on women artists and the year, specifically the year 1978. What was important about that year in particular? Why that year and, um, and why those artists? Yes, uh, last year I curated this exhibition. The title was uh, The Unexpected Subject. It's uh, a title taken from Carla Lonzi text and um, the exhibition aimed to tell uh, yes from an historical perspective the 70s uh, as a crucial moment in the history of the Italian art of the 20th century during which uh, the spread of feminist thought led uh, to a new critical awareness and uh, which drove many women artists to rethinking their role claiming space in museums and institutions, denouncing uh, also the lack of visibility and the discrimination to work in groups, sharing their own experience and sometimes their own artistic research. It's the same thing uh, to, to work together in a collective way. Yeah, that collaboration. I choose uh, this date, uh, 1978, because it's a crucial date. In May... 1978, in, uh, in Italy, really shocked by the death of the Prime Minister Aldo Moro, killed by Brigate Rosse, Parliament approved legislation regulating uh, interruption of pregnancy. And uh, it's uh, a controversial law. But for the feminist movement, this law represented another victory following those obtained with the divorce and the reform of the family law. Right, which all happened in the 70s as well, right? The 70s, four, it was the, the law, the referendum on divorce and uh, uh, the, the, the year after this new family law. And uh, mm -hmm. thanks to the struggles uh, conducted by feminist groups and women's organizations, the face of Italy changed completely. 
the world of art was not immune to this change. There were numerous female artists, collectives, critics, art historians, uh, who despite resistance and uh, ostracism, and for example, out of the friendship between Carla Lonzi, at the time she was uh, really an original art historian, close to the Arte, Puve, Arte Povera uh, movement, and Carla Cardi, a leading artist uh, of mm. post-war abstraction, came Rivolta Feminile in 1970. It was one of the most radical groups on the Italian scene. The exhibition rotates around this symbolic date mm. because uh, uh, it was also yeah. the year in which Mirella Bentivoglio organized, it was, she was a, a visual poet and um, also a curator, she organized the exhibition Materializzazione del Linguaggio, it's like um, the materialization of language uh, within the Venice Biennale, in which she presented around 80 Italian and international women artists working especially in the verbovisual field. And um, mm. it was the first time that uh, so many women artists uh, were all together in the Biennale. And so it's a special event, extraordinary event. Wow. Um, that's quite like, because that's kind of disappeared now. I mean, there are obviously now collectives, but to have like women art collectives that are really prominent now in, in art, there's not many. I mean, you have like guerrilla girls who are almost operating outside the art world anyway, to, in order to kind of change the system but this is this is so important I think to understand and 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 draw inspiration from that period um one of the photographers that I noticed that was in that exhibition um that you curated in um Milan was Lisetta Carmi who I saw an exhibition I was so struck by these photographs when I first saw them I think I saw an exhibition in Turin a few years ago at the GAM um yes museum in um Torino and she was the first photographer, probably the first photographer, I think I can, I'm right in saying, to document the queer community in Italy. Can you tell me a bit more about, about her work and about that work in particular? Because I remember what really struck me when I saw those images in that exhibition was how much the subject contrasted with all the other photographers. I think it was a, a show on that period of um, social, so the 60s, 70s social documentary photography in Italy. And starkly contrast, you know, this inside, intimate space, looking at gender and, and, and non-conformity really like so unique compared to what other photographers were doing at the time what what can you tell me about that work yeah you're right it's a unique I think it's a unique experience in Italy at that time because uh, and uh, Lisetta Carmi uh, was expelled when she was really young 14 from Italian public school for her Jewish origins, yes, uh, because of uh, fascism. Having by chance came into contact with the milieu of the queer community in Genoa, Carmi began to immerse herself in the sufferings also of this community of people who had been marginalized by their families and also by bourgeois society and by the church, bearing witness 
with their images to the everyday existence of a minority that was, she said, uh, wanted, uh, wanted on one side and pushed away on the other. Right, yeah, a contradiction. Yes, a contradiction. And she would return often to visit them, along with the psychoanalyst uh, Alvio Facchinelli, who was also the founder of an important uh, feminist and uh, revolutionary magazine in Italy. And so the pictures taken over the six-year period were because she continued this, this work for six years. And then she published in 1972 this book, a photo book, I Travestiti. Uh, it's really, really an important photo book. Uh, uh, and uh, a book that exposed the hypocrisy and of the conventional morality at the time and uh, demystified the traditional distinction between genders based on the man-woman binomial, yes, couple. At the time in Italy, it was a real scandal. The publishing house was forced to modify the dust jacket of the volume of this photo book because uh, it was uh, too strong for the morality of the time in Italy. And I believe there are many points in common between Carmi's work and the letter work of Nan Golding, uh, especially if you look at the uh, reprint, the modern reprint uh, in color, these uh, photography are really excellent. Yes, because two or three year, years ago, mm. Carmi exhibited for the first time this, uh, mm. it was like a rediscovery uh, with these uh, <clears throat> color prints. For years, Carmi's uh, photographs, Carmi's works, were appreciated um, only by specialists in Italy. But uh, for some years now, her works have also had an international echo. Yes, uh, thanks uh, especially to the choice, I think, the choice of Francesco Vezzoli, this artist, Italian artist, uh, to include many of the Lisetta Carmi's photographs in his original personal exhibition held in the Fondazione Prada, in the Prada Foundation, uh, I think uh, three years ago. Were the artists who were working in Italy at that time aware of this term, the female gaze? Because Laura Mulvey's essay, which which kind of first brought this this term up, um, was published in 1975. So right in the middle of that decade that we're talking about, that, that there were so many sort of feminist, radical feminist um, art groups, art collectives working. What kind of impact did that essay have there, if any at all, in Italy? I think most uh, Italian photographers at that time were not familiar with the writings of uh, Laura Mulvey because I think in Italy the theoretical reference points had more to do with French culture. Uh, there were close contacts, mm -hmm. for example, uh, between the feminist groups in Milan and the experience of the Psiempo group in France. And in this group, uh, there are a lot of really important intellectuals like uh, Lucy Rigueret or Julia Cristeva. Also because at the time French right. was still the most studied foreign language in our school. Yeah, it's different how it was. Yes, it's different. And uh, in particular, I think uh, Speculum, the book uh, written by Rigueret uh, in the 1974, and it was immediately published 
translated in Italy. It was uh, widely read here in Italy. And, um, but um, to tell the truth, many photographers still complain about the fact that Italian feminism at the time, not now, but at the time, had a keen interest in writing and verbal language. And while little mm. attention was given to images and visual culture inside the feminist groups. That's interesting. Yeah, it seems like it was a very more conceptual and like intellectually based type of work that they were making. I mean, I'm guessing there were also stuff like Hélène Cizou and Annie Leclerc, these yeah. two very radical French writers, feminist writers that spoke of this écriture féminine. Um, I guess that must have been an influence on them as well at the time. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think of French as the international cultural language, if not, you know, the international like language of diplomacy then. And it's that slowly um, changed over the decades. And certainly now, I guess, it's, it's not really the dominant sort of world language at all. Thinking about some of the works that were more visually led, um, you've got this amazing um, image that's on the cover of your book and then that you... Um, you describe in more detail um it's an image of Mochella Campagnano um and it's the work is called in English it's the invention of femininity roles um and it's 1974 made between 1974 and 1980 so quite a quite a stretch and and during that period interestingly um Cindy Sherman's first work um Untitled film steals her first sort of breakthrough work came out in like this in seventy seven. So such an interesting parallel between those two works and their in their sort of approach. I mean, it's reminded me of Sherman's work, of course, and then of also like the the Austrian vanguardists, like um, feminist artists like Renate Bertelmann and Valley Export, who were also doing like black and white photographs and playing with gender roles. I think Renate Bertelmann particularly has a very similar work where she dresses up as different characters in front of the camera. So in this work, we've got Marcella herself dressing in as different kind of women's stereotypes, right? So they're black and white photographs arranged as a grid, and she's inhabiting all these different roles. So you've got like the, you know, the sexy woman, you've got the wife, you've got the pregnant woman, you've got, um, you know, the, the biker chick. It's, I could look at them for hours. They're just so fascinating and fun as well. And I think that's often something that's forgotten when we talk about feminist art, that it's actually, they're having fun with this, you know, it's like, um, can you tell me from your point of view, cause you've studied this work a lot more than I have, um, a bit more about this work and your relationship to it. Yes, um, I think you are right. There is a, a close connection between this work of uh, Marcella Campagnano and, uh, for example, Cindy Sherman. Uh, but in her case, uh, there is this collective uh, approach. As we have said before, in Italy, this collective approach is really, really important. And so um, she worked together with her companions of this uh, uh, Via Cherubini group feminist in Milan. And uh, by performing female stereotype roles, Campagnano's models highlighted the ambiguous nature of identity as a social and political and cultural construct. Taking her own mm. photograph while she dressed up with the other women 
Campagnano gave life to a collective self-portrait. So it's different women that appear in the pictures. It's not they're not um, all self-portraits. Yes, yes, yes. But also Marcella. I didn't realize that. So that's a fundamental difference between that work and work, say, of Bertelmann and Sherman. Like that kind of flips everything, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, in an exhibition that she did in, at the end of the decade, uh, in 1979, uh, in a um, really of experimental place uh, in Milan, it's, it was called uh, Porta Ticinese Gallery. And uh, on that occasion, uh, Marcella created a, a mock fashion studio with a backdrop of grey carpeting and a series of clothes uh, offered by Fiorucci. And so also in this case, uh, fashion, it's important. Oh, wow. And Fior- yeah, that, that brings it all back full circle. Yes, and she took, in, during the performance, she took Polaroid pictures of who wanted to be photographed. Uh, dress up or not, it doesn't matter, and hang them on the wall. And so it's, uh, the exhibition was a process. That, that work, obviously, yeah, it brings it all full circle. So it's kind of that connection between fashion photography and, um, you know, the feminist discourse and also, you know, um, what it means to, to take a photograph um, and to dress up for the camera and, you know, what clothes kind of mean within the, the feminist, like, experience or the, for the feminist sort of strategy, I guess. Um, I think I want to ask you a little bit about, um, I guess what you feel the relationship is between fashion photography and feminism because this is in a way quite contentious for some people like that fashion photography also has had such a negative effect on women you know over the years in terms of you know creating feminine ideals and aspirations that are just not attainable for 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 most women um how do you see that kind of exchange or what what the place is of sort of fashion within feminism? I think, I believe that um, in the 70s uh, it was completely different because, uh, yes, fashion was not viewed with a particular interest uh, by photographers uh, connected uh, to Italian feminism. But I believe uh, that the situation now is, is changed. I am not saying this to please, but I think the role of Maria Grazia Curie in this sense has been unique and revolutionary. Uh, because uh, with uh, her contagious passion, with this uh, passion she can connect two worlds that have been separated for a long, long time. And uh, she challenges the world of fashion photography where men are still more powerful. And so I, 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 am, I think her uh, work is the right way uh, to create a link between these uh, two fields and to use uh, fashion and a big audience of the fashion show to spread uh, the feminist thought uh, to different different audiences, and so I think uh, it's really important because uh, if not, uh, there is the risk that only few women continue to think about uh, the feminist theory only in academic world. Uh, world, but I don't think uh, it's a good strategy. Can you give any examples of the? campaign images that you think have been particularly successful in terms of 
kind of revolutionizing the language of fashion photography? Uh, I think there is a famous, the film, famous uh, series commissioned in the early 80s to Cindy Sherman by Diane Benson and published in uh, Interview magazine. Benson provided Sherman with clothes by some of the most famous international designers, such as uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier. And the same year, the French fashion house Dorothée Bees offered the, their own clothes for a series published in French, Vogue. And the pictures by Sherman portrayed the opposite of what we would expect from glamorous fashion shoots because she poses in the photos acting like a sullen, tired, bored and uh, abused model. And coming back to more recent times, I love the photographic campaign created uh, by Brigitte Lacombe in the context of the Women Behind the Lens project by Dior, photographing uh, the twins Ruth and Mary Bell as uh, separate and strong personalities. I love this photograph because I am attracted to the theme, the double uh, from an intellectual path. Uh, there is also a strictly mm -hmm. personal reason because I have two nieces who are twins. They are 17 <laughs> and their relationship is made of uh, complicity <laughs> but also conflict and uh, visceral attachment and desire yeah. to stand out. I believe that the contradiction that uh, each of us carries within us emerge in these uh, Lacombe's photographs, in these uh, fashion shows photographs by Lacombe and so I love them. Yeah. I think they're also incredible and, and very significant because they were the first, obviously, um, I think when, when uh, Maria Grazia came to Dior, um, those were the, among the first sort of campaign, official campaigns um, that were shot. And like you say, the, the double is such a rich kind of area intellectually and symbolically. And I think that, that it's subtle in, in that because obviously they're these two incredibly successful and beautiful models as well. But I think that you know, when we're thinking about femininity and the female, you know, the relationship between women and sisterhood, like that kind of captures it all as well in a very kind of concise and um, an exuberant way as well, that kind of really close sisterhood. I mean, it doesn't get more sort of interesting and complex, I guess, than identical twins um, and the kind of special bond that they have. Um, do you have a favourite photographer? Uh, I love so much uh, Paola Mattioli. Yes, I love so much her work. In Italy now, it's my favorite photographer. I think uh, she's not so known abroad, but uh, I think uh, her work is uh, really interesting. Raffaella, thank you so much. You've been so insightful and thank you for your work as well, because you're preserving, I think, a period of, of um, Italian history, but also, you know, history in general that's so important and would, would be lost if you weren't sort of paying attention to it so closely. <laughs> thank you so much. So thank you and good luck with your new position um, at the University of Catania. Thank you.